Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bedpost Podcast. I, of course, am your host, Aaron Pym, and what I like to do here on the pod is have fun and sexy and interesting guests come into the studio and talk about sex and sexuality with me. However, clearly, uh, for today's episode and for who knows how many episodes to come, I don't actually have guests in studio with me, but of course, I have them via Skype. So for today, I... uh, uh, you know, I was realizing that I didn't have too many in the bank anymore. So I kind of just put out an open call on Instagram for any like sex workers or sexy workers, sexy performers, sex educator types that happen to have a bit of recording software in their, uh, wherever they're quarantining. So this is somebody that responded to that call. So I'm so interested to get to know this person. Please welcome to the mic, everybody, full service sex worker Ann Michaels. Hello. Hi, Erin. Thank you for having me. Oh my god, it's my absolute pleasure. I'm genuinely interested to like ask you questions and get to know you, which isn't always a place I'm put in where I'm actually interviewing some somebody I know almost nothing about. So it's gonna be fun, I think. I hope so. I'm I'm excited to chat and talk with you more. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. So maybe we'll start with just like, how you doing, Anne? Like, what what is, uh, what do COVID times look like for you? Yeah, so COVID times are, I think, kind of bananas for everybody. But uh, for me personally, <laughs> I am lucky enough to also work a totally legit civvy job. So I am laid off from that. And I'm also not doing any sex work right now either. I'm basically just hanging out trying to fill my time with like, baking and walking my dogs. (laughs) (laughs) Dogs are so lovely uh, to have during a time like this. Are you finding that? Oh, absolutely. I know like some of my pals who don't have pets or like have cats or whatever, don't have any excuses to go outside most days. Whereas at least my dogs like get me off the couch, make me experience like fresh air and sunshine instead of just being in like a Netflix cave for days on end. <laughs> yes, I, I definitely sound more like the latter out of those two things. So. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. I totally get it. That's amazing. And are you quarantining by yourself or do you have roommates? Do you have a partner? What's the situation? Um, I'm actually uh, living with my parents for the quarantine. So I have cool. I have some pals around. Um, I'm already I've, I've been here for about a month now and I'm kind of like, eh, maybe it's time to not be here anymore. But <laughs> it's nice to have friends. <laughs> Yeah. And how are you keeping touch with friends? Do you like just call them on the phone or do you do video chats or like group video chats? What are you getting up to socially? Um, a mix, depending who it is. I uh, mostly it's it's like one on one video chats, but I've definitely done a few like group calls where it's just 10 people and absolute chaos like no one's <laughs> listening to each other there's noises it's just wild yeah been there totally yeah. been there it's very funny um I think right now like what we're trying to do like as a group of friends is like have smaller hangouts because as you said like if there's tons of people it's kind of hard to actually hear anyone because you're all just talking at once and it's just like madness <laughs> absolutely and then I'm like I'm living in a pretty remote location right now so I'm the person that has like the worst internet connection I'm like crackly that like robot voice and just ruins the whole chat for everyone else <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're always like on a freeze yeah. frame of some yeah. sneeze halfway through yeah, a sneeze exactly. or something <laughs> <laughs> totally yes so for the listener if you ever hear a little bit of lag uh it is Anne's oh, fault 100 <laughs> <laughs> percent not to throw blame but it's 100 percent your fault um <laughs> so okay so why don't you tell me kind of what your life looked like uh pre-covid like as far as your sex work job goes yeah so pre-covid um as lee pym mentioned i am a full service sex worker and i work in mainly the downtown core of toronto um, so I go see clients at various in-calls, the, um, collective that I work with, uh, run. So, uh, I do that a few days a week. And then on top of that, I have my civvy job, which is more like part-time a few hours a week here and there, but it's nice to still kind of have that balance of, um, like super fun sex work times as well as like feeling like I'm a responsible adult doing a civvy job <laughs> yeah totally it's kind of for a while I was also doing both and um yeah it's kind of nice to have it kind of felt balanced um because a lot of the work I did, like, I did from home. So it's kind of nice to have a place to go into sometimes. And, like, um, as lovely as the sex work community is, um, like, to interact with people that were outside of that as well. Just to kind of not be in a bubble, like, mentally and, and whatnot, you know what I mean? Um, so, okay, yeah, so full-service sex work. Um, I'm sure, like, pretty, my listeners are pretty hip to what that means. But ju just in case somebody is listening and doesn't know what that means, can you explain that a bit more? Yeah, so full-service sex work is um, essentially uh, seeing a client and having penetrative sex with them, as well as typically penetrative sex. I mean, different girls um, have different boundaries and comfort levels, but for me, it's penetrative sex along with anything else that client might want that we've negotiated. Um, so 
I'm lucky enough to be in a position where I always like work indoors. Um, I do pretty thorough screening as well. Um, so my version of full service sex work is pretty safe and and uh, insular, whereas there are some women who are that more, I guess, stereotypical image of sex work that is less safe and they don't have access to um, the resources in the community um, and are forced <laughs> into, yeah, not... Um, <laughs> um, situations that aren't as like comfortable for them um, and most of the people I know within the community yeah. also work the same way I do um, and uh, yeah <laughs> I guess that answers the question <laughs> yeah for sure no well said um about specific, specifically when you're talking about uh, how being a full service sex worker can look different to different people, um, you know, depending on what are the things that you feel comfortable doing. And then also mentioning um, the fact that, you know, the most visible like percentage of sex workers are survival sex workers, which typically are people that, you know, are, are on the corner. And that's what people think when they think sex worker usually is somebody that um, is very vulnerable like that. Um, and uh, it's good for people to know that like sex work can look a lot of different ways, uh, like literally hundreds of ways. There are so many types of sex work. We don't look one certain way. Of course, there's a stereotype that a lot of people refer to who aren't kind of aware um, that they probably do know a sex worker, like for sure, probably no one. <laughs> yeah. So I love that you mentioned all those things. So as far as you were saying, you go to some, uh, several different like in-call facilities you mentioned. So an in-call facility, can you explain that just, uh, for people who are also unaware of what that means? Absolutely. So an in-call is, um, typically, a condo that uh, is used to host clients at. Um, so for me, I, again, I'm lucky I get to work out of um, mostly nicer, up, more upper, upper high class condos around the downtown core. Um, and uh, basically you're you spend some time there for a few hours and your clients come in and out. Um, and it's, um, I, I, that's how you run your day. Ah! <laughs> I need to, <laughs> that's how you run your yeah, day with a little, just a little freak a little out at the end at of the each end. sentence. Yeah. <laughs> and usually these facilities are who kind of owns them, who runs them, and are these facilities like, specifically for this purpose or is there someone living there typically what do you find within calls yes so for me personally um I work with a collective of girls and um the collective uh rents or owns the condo and it's exclusively for seeing clients so no one lives there um and it is it's it's empty unless there's one of us there uh, for the day. Um, 
of course, I, I do know some girls will, like, if they live out of town, they'll spend the weekend there. Um, but for the most part, it's, it's just for hosting clients. Yeah, so sex worker owned, sex worker operated, and uh, it's there for the use of, almost exclusively for the use of sex workers. So I would love to also ask you, you've mentioned several times now, that you are part of a collective of girls. Um, No pressure to say what, like the name of the collective or what have you, if you don't want to, but um, can you tell me a little bit more about like what that means and what that looks like as far as like... Um, your bookings practices or screening practices and um, even like with marketing maybe. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I work with Allegra Collective um, and they are magical fairy (laughs) fairy (laughs) awesomeness Um, and (laughs) so even though we are there's a group of us that are a part of the collective. We're still technically independent. So um, there's some girls who do... Best of both worlds. Exactly. Some girls who do all of their own bookings and um, the collective, the uh, admin of the collective don't work with them at all or very limited. Um, And then there's some people who take all of their bookings directly through the collective so there is admin staff who uh clients can reach out to and uh the admin will do all the screening and booking and organizing for you and you basically just show up to the call um and then for me personally I kind of do a mix of both so when I first started out I was lucky enough to start with the collective from day one um So I kind of built up my clientele. Um, I have like my regulars now who reach out to me directly to book. uh, And then I kind of figure out where we're going to go, what we're going to do, timing, all of that. Um, But there's still the occasional time that um, I will take a booking from admin. And then as far as marketing with that, the collective is really great in that we have a Twitter and a website that um, promotes all the girls who are part of the part of the collective. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> and y'all host a bunch of fun parties all together where I'm sure a lot of cross promotion happens at those as well. Absolutely. So it's nearly every month we have a different kind of either social event where um, we clients uh, clients can come and kind of meet us uh, just like in a casual like restaurant sort of party setting. And then we also have super fun orgies, which clients are also allowed to come to and hang out with us for a few hours and have a super fun time um so yeah (laughs) very cool yeah I I have a bunch of people that I know that have uh, been involved with Allegra um and all have had really positive experiences with them is that um a way that you would recommend for people starting out like as far as your experience um getting in with a collective like right away do you think upon retrospect that was a good way to go into it like at first yeah for me personally um I 
was lucky enough to know about Allegra and um, I was lucky enough to have them bring me on right away. I know most girls uh, have been with agencies before they come to the collective or become independent Um, and both routes uh, have merits um, as well as like pros and cons for for um, each each way into the industry. Um, I know I don't want to speak too broadly because I have not been with an agency, but I know sometimes um, agencies can be a little bit unscrupulous and are not, um, and sometimes have practices that are not great for the girls for the sex workers themselves. Um, but again, I haven't, I haven't lived that. I haven't gone that route. It's just stories that I've heard. Um, but working with Allegra has been amazing. And I, I genuinely feel like, um, the leaders of Allegra have all of everybody's best interest at heart. Totally. And I think, um, it's a unique collective because it is again, like, mostly owned and operated by sex workers, like, by working sex workers, like, which is um, huge as far as knowing what it's like, the daily trials, tribulations, joys of doing the type of work, and just having, like, that firsthand knowledge of the best way to do things as far as, like, you know, details for booking and for um, figuring out, like, in-calls and stuff like that, like, they know how to do it because that's how they would want it done for themselves. So I feel like that's the best bosses and like coworkers to have. Oh, absolutely. Like I agree a hundred percent. Yeah. I, I think they, they know exactly like if you have an issue, they are looking at it from your perspective, not from the perspective of running a business. They want to help you to be successful, to be safe, um, and at the end of the day, continue on uh, in the industry in a positive way. Yeah, totally. This is something I genuinely don't know. How many, um, like around Ballpark, how many people are involved in the collective, like as as full-service workers? Um, Oh my goodness, I don't know I do is it know like hundreds or is it no like... no I no? like so there is um quite a few that are like friends of the collective who have worked with the collective in the past mm. um aren't active with them anymore um I know as far as people who are active like working regularly with the collective it's probably 20 to 30 Um, but like I said, there's lots of people who have like moved on or are doing different things, but are still kind of around, um, Mm -hmm. that the collective is still, still opens their arms to (laughs) if they ever needed anything or want to come to events or anything like that. Oh, that's amazing. And in general, you're having a positive experience with the collective? For sure. Um, I, I honestly can't say there's been any experiences that were negative or like, anything that was unfair, um, nothing to report that was a reason to not recommend either clients work going through the collective or someone new starting out or someone who's been in the industry and wants a change. I would recommend it all around. 
Yeah, amazing. And as far as like you see your journey, your sex work journey going, is there a time where you think you might go like completely independent, like not be with the collective anymore or move on, just move on to like another structure uh, other than the one you're currently in? Yeah, I mean, for now, I'm I'm quite happy with uh, being in the collective, working the way I do, um, or was working before all of this. Um, but I mean, in the future, in the future, I don't know what I'm going to decide to do. I, I mean, if I want to focus more on this, I could potentially start being completely independent. But I don't know. I love everyone. All my like all my sex worker friends are part of the collective, and I love the events. And I hope to always like kind of be a part of it, even if I'm I'm so I've sort of moved on to be more independent. I would still like to be in touch at least. <laughs> yeah, and it sounds like that's totally an option. It sounds like they've done that with other people, so that's that's a great position to be in. So, how long then have you been doing full service sex work? Um, not very long. I'm still kind of a sex, like a baby. Um, I started, (laughs) I started kind of like a sex, like like a baby, a sex sex worker, a sex worker, baby. (laughs) I don't know what I was going to say. I'm I'm just a sexy baby. (laughs) Um, I, (laughs) I, uh, I started full service. I started full service sex work uh, back in the fall, and prior to prior to that, I uh, was a sugar baby and a cam girl. Um, and it was while I was sugaring that I kind of decided to maybe see if full service was for me. And I tried it out, and it was for me. And so now full service is my main and only kind of sex work avenue. Um, yeah. Very cool. Um, so I definitely, um, I think we've gone into camming quite a bit um, on the pod. So maybe I'll choose to kind of inquire a little bit about sugaring, because that's not, I don't think that's something we've covered too much. So how is that different, maybe, from doing uh, full service sex work? Um, so for me personally, I know there's girls that kind of do it differently. Um, it, it, takes a lot of different forms. Um, but for me personally, I was on Seeking Arrangements, which is the main site people kind of use to, to find daddies, sugar daddies. Um, and for me, it was mostly, I don't, again, like, I don't know if I did it right or if there's a better way to do it. Cause I, didn't really have any guidance <laughs> around it, but I um, would kind of go on a date with someone and it was usually like a lunch date, a dinner date. It would be like a couple hours. We'd like meet each other, get to know each other. And then if we liked each other or if he liked me, then we would negotiate um, whether it was going to be an allowance. So like a set amount and we'd go out as much as we wanted to or, um, like a pay per date kind of situation. Um, and I know there's lots of variants in like what girls charge, what men have to offer. Um, I like I was not good at sugaring, so I would almost feel too bad to, like, (laughs) demand what I wanted. Um, 
because I was like, oh, we're just going on a date, even though it's not, even though I want money, but I don't know how to ask for money. So that's why sugaring didn't work for me personally. I had a hard time, right. yeah, like setting those boundaries and being like, okay, I need this much money if we're going to do X, Y, and Z. Yeah, that was my sugaring experience. Do you think you could go back and kind of do it like quote unquote better with your knowledge of, you know, how to screen people kind of a better idea of what rates should be. Um, you probably have better, like better established boundaries and whatnot around this type of work. Do you think you could go back and uh, be able to navigate sugaring a little better? Yes. I, I definitely think if I went back now, um, I would essentially do it the same way I do full service. And that's why I don't think I could go back because for me, there wouldn't be any difference. Um, I would just, it would be the same as seeing a client, except I would be seeing a client as like a social date and still charging my same rate. And then it's the same as my like full service sex work. Um, I mean, if I know sometimes clients, um, will sort of, like, if they really like a girl, if they're able to do it, then they'll be, ask the girl to be exclusive, and they'll arrange things that way, but then again, I don't know what you define as sugaring versus full service, um, yeah, I think it's kind of a gray area to determine what a relationship is with a client. Yeah, totally, like, from, I've never sugared, um, and I have legitimately only talk to a couple people that have sugared in the past but to me it um I could foresee if I was put in that position where I wanted to do sugaring I would find I just as you're kind of saying I'd find it difficult to navigate um this like kind of gray area between like between like the sex work part of it and the relationship part of it that might be confusing um to me and to know to yeah I I just foresee that being a diff like a difficult headspace to be in and to kind of figure out and as well with like your emotions too if it's kind of part social and part relationship but also it's work it might I just foresee it being kind of difficult Exactly. And I think on top of everything else, I think that's part of the reason for me it was hard because I was like, I don't know what I'm like, what are we going for here? Is this like a relationship? Do you like care about me? Are you just seeing? I don't know. And then I had a hard time communicating that because it's not a client relationship where I can communicate to them like I'm talking to a client, but it's also not like uh, uh, like IRL, not IRL, but like a relationship, like a organic. Oh, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Not a personal relationship either. Yeah. Let's take a moment to talk about our lovely sponsors, shall we? First of all, Oasis Aqua Lounge is a water themed sex club located right here in Toronto at 231 Mutual Street. Oasis is inclusive of all genders and orientations and is shame-free when it comes to pleasure and play. Check them out at their website, oasisaqualounge.com. 
Unicorn Collaborators is the local leather business of two queer unicorns. They specialize in luxurious and colorful harnesses for all body types, and even craft non-conventional ones for your thigh, fist, or foot. Check them out at their Etsy shop under Unicorn Collaborators. Lovecrafters Toys is a non-gendered fantasy sex toy line that makes weird and wonderful dildos in the shape of tentacles, unicorn horns, mermaid tails, and more. Their high-quality silicone is hand-poured right here in Toronto. Check out their Etsy shop at Lovecrafters Toys. ComeAsYouAre.com is a trans-owned, trans-operated sex shop that also happens to be feminist and anti-capitalist. They carry only the best sex toys and want to give you the best price possible. Next time, use the coupon code BEDPOST, that's B-E-D-P-O-S-T, when checking out at ComeAsYouAre.com. Okay, so switching gears then. We've all talked about, oh, that lovely time before a pandemic (laughs) when we could go out and do as we please. So why don't you tell me a little bit about your transition from doing in-person full-service sex work, like part-time, and doing your other job part-time, to what happened, how did things kind of shut down and transform into what what's happening now in your life yeah so the shift was pretty pretty abrupt for me um I went from I had cut back my days of doing sex work just because of other like life commitments so I was only really working like one or two days a week before um, this whole shutdown. Um, but in my civvy job, I had kind of ramped that up a little bit. Um, so I was working like full time with my civvy job. And basically, I got a text one day that was like, yeah, you can't come in anymore because of, (laughs) because of everything, like because of the shutdown. Uh, we'll let you know when you can come back. And I was like, uh, okay, I guess I guess that's it. And then it was also around that time that uh, the collective also decided to shut down as a whole. Um, so there was like going to be no more bookings through them. Um, and, and that was kind of it. So I was kind of like, Nothing all right, I guess I have to do. <laughs> a lot of time now. But... <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Was that scary Um, for you? Well, I mean, like I said, I was lucky enough to have my civvy job so I can, I qualify for some of the emergency relief benefits or benefit. Um, But I know a lot of my um, sex work friends don't have that to fall back on. And obviously they weren't prepared to not be able to work for months and um they're really struggling and i wish i could help them more but like i don't even know what to do and it i know it's not my responsibility or anything but i still feel terrible because these people were working doing like just living their lives and now they're not able to support themselves yeah i'm in the same position well i don't know am i I was, uh, like, I've got some work that I did claim for the CERB package um, that was, like, basically it's, like, sex work related, but it's not my actual, like, in-person one-on-one session hours that I'm claiming. It's, like, me 
doing stuff as like a sex educator or like speaking about sex work or like being part of a sex work panel or doing a kink workshop, like stuff like that, that I claimed. And then also doing events that is like performing, you know, doing kink performances or even burlesque or um, stuff like that, uh, which I would have like a few a month. So I claimed all that on the CERB and they did give it to me, but, you know, they're kind of giving it to everyone who applies. So, it, you know, I'm going to claim it on my taxes that I got the CERB package. But, you know, at that time, they'll determine whether, you know, so I, they could just, I could just be giving it right back with my taxes, which is probably what's going to happen. Because I don't think with those little, you know, kind of public engagements that I do you know, meet any kind of minimum. Uh, so, so I don't know, I did get it, but I'll probably I I'm almost 100% sure that like that money is not mine, and I'm not gonna spend it. <laughs> like, ugh. so did you um, do any sort of transition into doing anything online as far as sex work goes? I haven't. Um, and I thought about it. I considered it. I thought about bringing back because my cam persona is separate than my full service persona. I thought about bringing her back from the dead. But um, for now, <laughs> I just um, I've I, I've just been laying low. I mean, like I said, I, I'm lucky enough to not need more money right now. Um and I know the industry is yeah. kind of flooded with online and only fan, many fans, only fans. Yeah. I never did that. I never did only fans. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so many all fans. The fan, I like that. All the fans website, like <laughs> all, all the fans. fans. Com. Um, I'm the top 1% of only fan, all the fans.com. <laughs> um, <laughs> I uh no so to answer your question I have not uh pursued any like online stuff I have had a few clients reach out to me and be like how are you doing I think they kind of wanted to see if I was interested into it in it but I just I didn't really nice. engage too much um it is great to have those clients though that are that care and are like how are you doing like what's up um but yeah, that's kind of where I'm at yeah, with and that are working. Like looking forward to you returning as well. It's nice to know that you've got, you know, your regulars that will book you as soon as it's like safe to do so. It's good to be like, oh yeah, like we, we still remember you even though you're not actively working and, you know, so it's, it's comforting to know that, right? Yeah, and I like the point that you're bringing up about the fact that uh, so at your like regular job, you know, they just told you you're not coming in. But with something like a collective, like a sex work collective, they don't exactly tell you you can't work. They're just saying, well, we're not booking for you. Because the truth is, a lot of sex workers can't afford to not work and have to continue working even and they have to, they assume that risk, you know. So it is a privileged place like for you and I to be able to not have to do in-person sessions because the truth is that's not the reality for a lot of people. Absolutely. That's exactly it. I was talking to um, yeah, a girlfriend the other day and she said she's still 
she is still seeing a couple of her regulars and because she like needs to eat and pay rent and there's no other option like there isn't an alternative other than just like seeing these clients and she's lucky because um like she has those regulars she's not having to like screen in new clients and do all of that right now um it makes it more straightforward for her but it's still hard because you don't want to be working depending if like who knows if you're um quarantining you know solo or with a partner or with a family that's like just more assumed risk of you potentially passing something on to say like you know, an elderly parent or something like that, that you might be quarantining with. So it can be, it can be a super difficult decision. decision. And um, I think it's important not that we don't judge a sex workers decision to continue working through this. Um, because it's out of it's out of necessity if they are, you know, most of them. I'm sure there are some sex workers, sex workers who are just being like assholes about it and just like, ah, you know, like there. I'm sure there's a small handful of, of shitty people. Like in all social circles, there is a couple people that are like, ah, Corona is fake, and I'm, and I'm gonna go and hang out with my friends all the time. There's probably, you know, some of those people are sex workers too, but I think by and large, it's good to refrain from judgment as far as that goes of who wants to continue working and in what capacity you mentioned that your friend is just seeing regulars and not seeing new clients I also have a couple friends that are uh, going that route and I mean it's all like when you think about like when we're all gonna kind of get back to getting in back into the normal swing of things like our type of work that is like one and one-on-one sessions or like with a couple at most, like we're not, we don't have a job where we're in contact with groups of people, uh, like in public spaces, um, you know, like bartending, for example, or like stuff to do with an entertainment where you're, you know, working in like concerts or you're working, you know, in a theater, stuff like that. Like, in comparison, our work is on the lower risk, uh, you know, side of the spectrum. So, you know, let the girls do their thing if they got to work right now, you know? Exactly. And I know um, the collective, I think they've decided that we'll officially be back uh, whenever, like, massage therapists, RMT, like, um, chiropractors um anything like that is back um but we obviously we don't know when that'll be but I mean I I guess it's a a good thing to know at least we have an idea of like a a plan of attack for coming like how how do you imagine the future is going to be for you for sex work like what do you foresee for yourself as far as sex work goes between now and the end of the year let's say I I don't know. I would like to just go back to normal and um, just continue working the way I was before, but I don't know if that's possible and I don't know what clients will think of that. Um, I think there's like a few different aspects uh, of that to consider. There's so like handling cash, like are people still going to want to 
use cash or is it going to, are they going to only want to use e-transfer from now on? How is that going to work? Um, what are we going to do as far as like, if people are staying home more, they're not coming into the downtown core to work, they're staying at their home offices. Are they still going to want to see us like at their lunch hour or whatever? Um, it's different things like that, that are, seem kind of up in the air and are hard to, hard to know how it'll affect um, coming back to real life. (laughs) Yeah, I'm wondering if it's going to stigmatize us more or less, you know, because on one end of it, I'm like, well, now people know what it feels like to be lonely and to crave physical contact. Like, now most of us, like, a lot of us are quarantining alone or distancing alone. So, now we have a dose of like what it really feels like when you don't have access to another human being physically. So I feel like, you know, whether if say you're in a relationship or not, if you don't live with them, then maybe you're not seeing them right now. So I think more people by and large have like now a firsthand experience with like skin hunger and, Um, you know, a lack of intimacy and feeling lonely. So in one end, I feel like it might help as far as the stigma goes for sex work, because maybe people can understand that. That's me being very optimistic, I think. (laughs) That's, yeah, that's like an ideal. Yeah. It'll happen. It'll happen. It's ideal. It'd be nice if it happened. What do you think as far as stigma goes? Do you think it's going to change because of this? I don't know. I I don't, I don't know if it would because like I agree. I, I think there might be more people that seek it out, but would that shift the like culture, like the whole cultural view on sex work? Um, Because even, yeah, even if, like you said, there's more, there's people that are seeking, like, connection and touch and whatever else, but are they still, are they going to go to their friends and be like, oh, yeah, I'm, (laughs) I'm going to see a sex worker, which I know some people do that already, but yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yes. Yes. We love those people. (laughs) Yeah. Tell all your friends. Tell your friends. Yes. Um, Word of mouth (laughs) is the best forum of uh, promotion to everybody. And it's also kind of interesting to think you know, as you mentioned before, there's kind of an online sex work boom, you know, happening, whether that's, you know, in what facet that's happening, and if it's a long term trend or not. Um, What do you think? Do you think people might, at least towards the end of the year, like from between now and the end of the year, might go to some sort of online platform as opposed to hiring like an in-person sex worker? I feel like they probably would. But then I also question like if there's going to be more sex workers who integrate that online persona and platform into their like full service, like real life sex work as well. Like whether there'll be more of an opportunity for clients to like whatever, see a girl once and then also have access to their OnlyFans or yeah, exactly. Um, I I don't know how that'll shift. I think, um, it might shift towards more people seeking out, like, instead of just 
watching a video, like actually talking to someone online and in- wanting interaction, wanting a Skype call or whatever else. Um, yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, that's what I'm uh, kind of figuring out as well, because I'm one of the workers who has gone from not full service work, but definitely in-person sex work to um, just having more of a focus online right now. Like, it's all stuff I did do before, but I didn't market towards it. And it was almost like, by request only, I do a Skype call or, you know, if somebody wanted like a custom video it'd be by request whereas now all my marketing is like focused towards that and it's all the same under the same umbrella of like lady pim it's all kink um where i'm the dominant and whatnot and i'm kind of you know trying to think long term if it's sustainable to get me through this and then also like oh well when i do start to reincorporate in-person sessions how much of this am I going to be able to maintain as well? Because it's a lot of work. It's more work, really, per when you think about what you're making per hour. It is hard as hell, too. Like, it's it's like constant. And I already have bad boundaries surrounding when I'm working and when I'm not working. Like, so I'm just working all the time now because it's just constantly talking to people on my phone, basically. It's like, do you foresee yourself at any point, like possibly resurrecting your camming persona or um you know doing some sort of online work connected with your current persona I think potentially but I found uh even when that was my main gig like my main source of income I never liked it as much as I did with in person and even if um not doing online kind of hurts my hurts my business overall I don't know if it's worth it for me to try integrate that online stuff like like you said for me it's just so difficult to manage like talking to people managing different accounts managing um all the like day-to-day not even like I love clients I love all my clients from all the different avenues that I've pursued in sex work but in uh online, I found, yeah, it's just a lot of legwork of, like, keeping up, like, pitch, putting up pictures, putting up videos, putting together content, and then some of that content you don't get paid for, like, because it's just promotional. It's just to say, like, oh, hey, come buy my other thing. Um, Whereas I love the fact with full service, I can see my client, we have that interaction, I'm paid for that interaction, And then that's it. I'll maybe text them once or twice, like just, hey, how are you? It's not a super in-depth That's a great point. Um, You you do, like on online work, there's a lot, a larger portion of unpaid work that you're doing. Like, and for for like in-person work, I still do quite a bit of an online hustle. Like I still for sure put in hours, you know, on Twitter and whatever. Um, But it's like no comparison. Now I'm like it's so constant. And, and you're right. It's like, um, there's no defined lines of I'm getting paid for doing this. It's like, okay, well, I, I got, it's hard to calculate how many hours I truly put in, um, to each, you know, Skype call or custom video, or like, it's hard to say it's also fucking blurred, you know, which is, can be stressful. (laughs) And I, 
And I totally respect people not wanting to do it um, and not seeing the value or the point of it, especially when we don't know how long we're going to be shut down for physically. I I was just going to say, I totally respect people who are doing it because I respect the hustle and I know it's like just making it like you still have to work. I get like some people don't have a choice as to whether they're doing it or not. Like if it's, that's the way they're going to continue on their business, then totally. that's what you got to yeah. do. And I, I also like, as we're talking about, there are more people that kind of have firsthand knowledge of things. I know a lot of folks that haven't done sex work in the past, maybe starting up an OnlyFans, for example, during this time to generate income, right? And I I feel like on one hand, yeah, it might be flooding the market. On the other hand, I'm like, you know, well, good for her for getting hers. And then also I'm like, well, good for her because now she might recognize how difficult it really is because it's not like you instantly start getting money um, at all. <laughs> it's like a long haul type situation. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then on the other hand, is it flooding the market really? Because all the little guys probably aren't even being seen. Um, so it's interesting. It's an interesting conversation. I'm going to ask you a couple, just a couple more fun questions, perhaps about sex work, uh, to lead us on a, leave us on a lighter note. <laughs> I want to know what is your absolute favorite thing about your work that you do? It's definitely connecting with my clients. Like I love meeting these people and they're so varied and like, it's literally anyone under the sun that could come through the door and I get to spend time with them. Um, And getting to know someone, it's interesting because yeah, we only spend an hour, a couple hours together, but because it's so intimate, you really get to see what a person's like. Um, and that's that's definitely my favorite part is just learning about like why someone's the way they are and what are like why are you here to see me? What are we doing? Like what's going on? Tell me. Um, totally. Yeah, definitely I my agree. favorite part. Um, I'm endlessly fascinated by people. Um, and like specifically doing kink work. I'm always like, ooh, what does your what is your brain doing? Like what are the connections you make between this and this? It's like endlessly fascinating for me. Um, do you have a like favorite session in memory? Does one jump out as being like, oh my God, that was the best session? Oh, I don't think I have one favorite session, but I definitely have favorite clients. And it's always clients who are a little bit like, maybe like out of the ordinary aren't just like typical like way it goes so I had I have one kink client who I haven't seen in a while but like I want to see him again so bad because I love what we do um and yeah any any clients that like kind of bring something different to my day that are up for doing something fun and silly maybe (laughs) I love that Um, yeah, all the ones that stick out for me are like, definitely engage, like a sense of humor, like the funny ones are the ones I remember, or like, the kind of bizarre or creative ideas they have. Those are always the ones that I remember. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Is there um, something on your um, 
on your bucket list as far as sex work goes? Is there something that you've always imagined you'd like to do with this job, but uh, haven't had the chance to yet? Ooh, um, I don't know. Nothing like comes to the, nothing's coming to me, but um, there's definitely girls that I'd like to do duos with. Um, so, (laughs) so anybody that wants to do a duo with me, please like, let's set that up because I'd want to do that. (laughs) Yeah, I, I, same with me, like in our, in our, um, in the ritual chamber, chamber in our house, we only have like six people right now and I still haven't done a duo with every one of them. So please, everyone book me with Miss Red Diamond, please. Oh, please. You know you want a bodybuilder dominatrix next to little old me. You know you want it. Just book it already. (laughs) All of you guys at the Ritual Chamber are so cool and so hot. And I'm just, I'm so jealous. (laughs) (laughs) Why, thank you. They are. I mean, we've got a a good bunch. We certainly do. Um, And um, also just to finish, uh, is there anything you would like people to know about sex workers or about you as a sex worker that might surprise them or like they might not know already anything that if you have any last words just um as far as you as a sex worker I don't know I I think for me as a sex worker People, so when I tell, I'm pretty open about the fact that I'm a sex worker. And so when I tell people I'm a sex worker, they always have like endless questions. And um, I think what people don't understand is like, it's, it's a job, like, it's just a job. Like, yeah, I love my clients as much as I'd love my clients at any other job. Mm -hmm. But like, yeah, it's, it's just a job. And like, you start not to like, take away the magic and but if I was going to work to do my civvy job, I kind of feel the same way as like when I'm going to do my sex work job, even though I like sex work a lot better. Anyway. Um, yeah, there's definitely days though, where it's like, all right, I just like, I need a coffee. I need to get to work. Like, what am I doing today? And yeah, I don't know. (laughs) It's like not as romanticized as I think people think it is. Yes. Good. Great point. Yeah. That we're just, we're just, um, like we kind of said at the beginning of this interview, like you probably know a sex worker. I know you have like an image in your head of what a sex worker looks like and this kind of fantastical idea of what she does, but you know, we're the girl next door. We're a family member. We're, you know, like we're we're people that you know in your life just regular people that you know in your life that have this job instead of some other job <laughs> like you know it's um i know sex sex is very fascinating to people um myself included and which is why you know i do what i do <laughs> i think yeah it's more fascinating to sex workers than anyone else <laughs> <laughs> and i think it's good to have boundaries around those types of conversations like say if you tell per they're like what do you do and you're like I'm a sex worker and then they're and then they just start asking you like 50 questions maybe instead of doing that the person can be can be like 
Oh, that's very interesting to me. Do you mind if I pick your brain about that for like five minutes? And you have the option of being like, no, I'm not really in the headspace to talk about it. Like with, it's emotional labor to answer questions, right? So I think that's a good question to ask. Yeah, if if anybody is like, ooh, that's fascinating to me. Maybe you should ask them first uh, if you can have their attention for 10 minutes to talk about their work. Exactly. Yeah. Like basic courtesy people. (laughs) Oh my goodness. You work at a call center. What is that like? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So Anne, you've been so lovely today. We should be wrapping it up. But before we do, I'd love to give you the opportunity to let the people know um, any social media stuff? I know you probably can't tell us a bunch of things you have on the horizon because who knows um, where that horizon is <laughs> way in the mist. But um, if you want to drop your social media stuff so people can follow you or support you or whatever. Totally. Um, so my Twitter is Miss Ann Michaels. Let me just double check because I forget <laughs> how I spell it because I'm not good at marketing myself (laughs) so it's just miss ann michaels no e (laughs) um and i'll occasionally post fun stuff on there usually i share my friend stuff um and yeah if you ever want to book me in the future or even just want to message me and we can chat that's great we can do that Amazing. Yeah. So, okay. For bedpost stuff, obviously a lot of the live uh, stuff we do is on hold right now. Uh, But things I do still have going on is this podcast. Um, And if you can rate and review it, that's always very helpful to me. I'm still putting these out every Sunday with a new fun guest every week. Um, You can follow the bedpost stuff um, on Instagram. We are at the bedpost podcast. You can email me with anything bedpost related at thebedpostsexshow at gmail.com. Uh, since we're talking about sex work this week, you can follow me on Twitter at theladypim1. That's my pro-dom account. It is not safe for work, people. Um, and the Instagram that is, you know, pretty safe for work, it is pim.lady. Um, other than that, the lovely lady who does the original music for my podcast, her name is Stephanie Copeland. She's a lovely friend of mine, and you can find out the rest of her artwork and music at stephcopelandmusic.com. Um, Patreon is a huge thing you should be aware of as well. The Bedpost Patreon is lit, yo. Uh, that is patreon.com slash thebedpostshow. Um, and, of course, one last enormous thank you to my guest for today, Miss Anne Michaels. Thank you so much for joining me. This has been absolutely lovely to get to know you. Thank you so much, Erin. Thanks for having me. And thank you again to everyone that has been listening. This has been the Bed Post Podcast. I'm Erin Pym. And go get fucked, everybody. Bye. This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. Sonar. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.